the 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911. program. I am not Dave. I'm Jim Siebert. Dave's on vacation and uh, he graciously uh, asked me to fill in today. It's always fun to uh, come back and host a talk show every now and then uh, here on uh, Hometown Radio. Uh, At five o'clock, our guest will be Fred Monroe. Fred and I go back to 1989 when he was a regular guest on a talk show I had on another station and uh, which doesn't exist anymore. Um, Fred and I back then talked about restaurants and um, things that were going on around the Central Coast. Uh, Fred has since become uh, quite a a travel concierge of renown, and uh, we are going to talk in the 5 o'clock hour about ultimate vacation destinations. I'm not talking just... uh, you know, a trip down to Santa Barbara or to Catalina Island. I'm talking uh, Antarctica and uh, those types of things. So Fred and I are going to talk about ultimate vacations um, coming up at 5 o'clock. So I hope that uh, hope you can stick around for that. This hour, I have been looking forward to uh, this hour uh, since seconds after uh, Dave Congleton uh, emailed me and said, hey, can you can you take my show uh, on the 31st. And I looked at my calendar, I was available, and uh, I, I immediately thought, okay, first first person I want to contact um, is uh, is this uh, fellow that's uh, actually uh, on the line right now that we're going to talk, uh, talk with. It, because I am so uh, interested in... Um, in his story, not just his story, but in the in the general uh, story of what I would call working actors, working class actors uh, in Hollywood. Y- you have your elites. You've got your Tom Hanks and uh, your Meryl Streep and, and those kind of folks. And then you have also the the starving actor, you know, the, the, the picture of the, the, the person that's waiting tables in two or three different restaurants and has a bunch of temp jobs and is being a valet at, at, at parties and that type of thing just to make ends meet in the hope that someday they, uh, you know, they will uh, land a, some sort of a, of a job uh, acting. And then you have this this section of people in the middle who ju- who go to work every day on set and uh, and and provide entertainment for us and uh, my guest Tim Lunabus is one of those Tim is a working class actor he uh, he takes his kid to school in the morning and then he goes on goes on set or goes to an audition and uh, and he's just he's just doing it day in and day out down in Hollywood and uh, he is my guest this afternoon on hometown radio Tim thank you for coming uh, you're welcome, man. And when you said uh, working every day, I, my ears perked up. I was like, if I was working every day, I, I think I'd probably be up in that, that upper tier. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a whole lot, I, I think. I'm going to let you answer all these questions. I'm going to assume that there's a whole lot more to being a working actor than just standing in front of a camera. And, Correct. And, and so in, in that regard, um, I, I would assume that you are working every day. 
This is correct. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, it covers a bunch of different aspects. So Tim is uh, Tim's in L.A. and uh, I, I'm looking at your um, I'm looking at your IMDb, uh, and and you have a career that goes back as I can see on IMDb. Your first credit or the earliest credit I can find is 1991, The Bold and the Beautiful. Is that correct? That is correct. And I moved down. Uh, I think on my birthday. 1990, January 5th, 1990, and uh, yeah, that first year, I think I did an industrial video, <laughs> and then and then uh, in 91 is when, when I did Bold and the Beautiful, so, and that was a great experience. So when you say you, <clears throat> excuse me, when you say you moved down, you're a, you're a Bay Area guy, yeah? Yeah, okay. Petaluma. And you, you went to school, I, I think, I'm, I almost sound like a stalker when I, when I do this, when I've done some research. <laughs> you went to school at, at, at UC Berkeley. You went to school at Cal. Correct. To, to, did you go to school at Cal to be an engineer and then decided to get into acting, or did you just go to... Yeah, I, I went, I, I entered as a math major, and then I took that first year of calculus and was like, yeah, this isn't what I want to do. And so then I, uh, I actually was a social science field major, which they had back then, and uh, and that was more about uh, self enlightenment. It was it had to deal with sexism and racism. It was the the image of women in Western thought was my my uh, sp- specialization, I guess wow. you would say. Heavy. And then, <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't until my final year where I, I remember, like it was yesterday, I went to have breakfast at a place called Upstart Crow, which was a bookstore, but it also had like this little coffee shop in it, uh, a restaurant really. And uh, and I I sat at that breakfast with the intention that I was going to know what I was going to do coming out of it with my life, and really I what, knew I wanted to do yeah I knew I wanted order? to do something Is creative. It, did they have some special thing on the menu, some enlightenment food or something on the menu? <laughs> no, no, I, I entered it knowing what the purpose was of that breakfast. I mean, in and, Berkeley. Uh, in Berkeley. Yeah, it was at Berkeley, yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, it was in Berkeley. It was on Telegraph Avenue. It could, have, it could have been something weird in the eggs. but So this was, what, late 80s, <laughs> late 80s, early 90s? This was, uh, let me think about this. This was summer of 89. Okay. No, no, sorry. This was 88 because 80, it was going into my final year. Okay. Uh, so 88 is when, when I was having this breakfast. So you're sitting, and, there, uh, you're sitting there staring at these eggs. And you have this epiphany. Well, you know, it's funny. A friend called me a pragmatic dreamer once because I was like, I know that all my life I've always been creative. You know, I, uh, earliest memories singing to the radio uh, in high school. I started picking up a lot of writing and and continued singing. And, uh, and then I, I thought, okay, there's three possibilities for me. This is how my brain was working. Right. I could be a singer. You know, and and I didn't see at that point any pop or rock stars who were Asian American. And then the next, yeah, okay. And then, so there's there's the, pragma- the next there's thing, the pragmatism. All right. Yes. The next thing was writing, and I was like, I remember my English teacher. You know, he might have been a frustrated writer. I don't know, but he was like, it's way too difficult to try to make a living as a writer. And so I thought, well, okay, that's out. Wow, ouch. And then I thought about, yeah, and and I, I should go talk to him. He's still alive. But uh, I then thought about acting, and I was like, okay, it's. I, I saw 
at that point, it was still everything was was U.S. based, you know. Uh, but I was seeing it as in the future becoming a global enterprise, and I also saw that uh, you know uh, African Americans had popped at some point. Uh, Latino actors, Hispanic actors, also had their moment, you know. And then uh, uh, you know we can always talk about now how it is these days, but. Back then, that's how I was thinking. Yeah. And then I thought the next one will be, you know, in a quarter, you know, at least a quarter of the population, global population is Asian. So I'm thinking the next one to pop is going to be Asian. How did that course, work? Out? I was thinking, well, I was thinking Asian American, you know, that I'm going to prosper as an Asian American actor. Well, no, when it first started popping, like I thought it would, it was like, let's go to those countries and get their stars. Hmm. You know, so, um, but I still, uh, I did, I did benefit from the push for more inclusion in the 90s when it was first starting. So let me if you, let me just go through um, because I, I want to set I want to set the stage here. Um, I'm looking I'm looking at Tim's uh, my guest by the way today is Tim Lunibus. He's uh, he's an actor in um, in Hollywood, which is when you say Hollywood, you know, he's in television and film. Um, I mean, listen to listen to some of these credits from IMDb: Iris in in twenty twenty two, Trek Untold in twenty twenty one, NCIS. Now what? Bosch. He did five episodes of Bosch. Hawaii Five O, NCIS, AP Bio, uh, A Tiempo, Criminal Minds. I mean, we've heard of these television shows. Um, and, and the thing is, I, I think when people hear the name. Tim Lunibus, they go, okay, I've never heard of that. But if they saw your photo, they'd go, oh, yeah, that guy, that guy. I mean, there's, yeah. a, there's a or lot they of times think they know me some other way. You have played, um, what, what's interesting here, I, I was looking at this stalking your IMDb. You've, you've played a lot of um, law enforcement agents. You've been, you've been sheriff. <laughs> you've been that. And when, when we met uh, a little bit more than a, a year ago, when, when we met, my original thought was, wow, this guy could play all sorts of villains and bad guys. I mean, you 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 just you just have that look, you know, the the shaved head and the and the yeah. uh, you know the goatee. I have the same bald head and the goatee, but I don't look. I I don't think I could ever play a bad guy. Um, but but uh, <laughs> you you seem to be able to. Um, you uh, you're there in uh, in Berkeley, and you have this you know this epiphany that you want to that you know okay I, I can't be a singer. Um, probably my, my your, your instructor told you that writing was was probably not the way to go, and so you, you decided I'm going to be an actor. So you what do you do? Just pick up, you move to L.A. and you just get an agent, and all of a sudden, boom, there you go. Yeah, so I still had to do my thesis, my senior thesis, and um, but then after that, we're now entering uh, the end of '89, and uh, a friend of mine is visiting and she had already made the move to Southern California and we had gone to high school together. She was a year behind me, a couple of years. And, uh, she w- she had pursued singing. Uh, and she said, Tim, we have, uh, actually, she asked, she goes, so you're coming down to LA. And I go, yeah. And first what I had done is I'd started up there. I went with an agency called stars agency in San Francisco. And, uh, and I, you know, worked on industrial videos, did a half dozen of them. And then they had an open enrollment SAG up there. The, the union was ah. trying to take control of the market up there. Okay. And they had a limited open enrollment, and you had to suffice, like, three things, you know, part of it being geographic, that you lived there. So people were just driving up from L.A. to get yeah. it. 
I want to uh, let's. I want to break there. We're going. What I want to talk gotcha. about what happened at that. But first, we have to have to pay for this whole thing. You're listening to Hometown <laughs> Radio on KVEC 9:20 a.m. and 96.5 FM. Theme song there from uh, Hawaii Five O, which our guest for this hour, Tim Lewis, was uh, guest star on. Uh, that show, let's see, when was that, Tim? That was 2019, I think, somewhere. Yeah, there. I think so. Yeah, okay. I think that was, and uh, and it was an awesome experience because I was uh, I was able to see the original set of the original show, which was now like a prop. I think that it was like the prop building now. Huh? Did and you went? So I mean, you you filmed in Hawaii? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How cool is that? So, okay, so we're going back, yeah. going back to Berkeley. You had a friend that says, "Hey, you've got to come to L.A. Uh, things are happening." Uh, SAG. She, she had, uh, she had roommates, two roommates, and she said one is moving out at the end of the at end of the month, which was the end of the year. Okay, okay, classic, and classic she, story. All right. Yeah, and then she just straight up offered it to me, and it was sort of a like a threes company thing where uh, it'd be me and, and two women. Did you have to uh, pretend? And we all got, did you pretend to be gay so that Mr. Furley? Would... No, I, I no. didn't. I okay. didn't have to do that. All right, yeah. <laughs> I, I was able to stay true to my identity. There you go. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, we, uh, I, so I came down and I, I I moved down on my birthday and you know I had I still had uh, an apartment that I was sharing with a buddy in Berkeley and so you know he was getting a roommate to replace me and so I went to Petaluma first to my you know, home right. and where my parents were and, and pulled stuff out of my room. And my mom was just so sad. She told me later, she sent a letter that it just, you know, when I went to college, you know, that was one thing, you know, I was still 40 minutes away and visiting every weekend to have her do my laundry. And then now though, it was just like furniture was gone. It was just, you know, it became an empty room almost. Well, and, and that was tough on her. And, but uh, And you're not only uh, moving to college, but now you're moving to L.A. Yeah. To, to be a what do you want to be, Tim? An actor? You've that's got to a be whole story kidding. in itself. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll bet that's a story in itself. Three, three, three long conversations, quote unquote conversations, before she finally gave in. So uh, that that first gig, that first job, how did that how did that happen? Uh, so I uh, I had an agent when I came down. I. Uh, you know, in San Francisco, when I was in Northern California, you would do, you know, you'd find these, like, workshops and stuff to do. So one of them had this agent who was in L.A. So I contacted her before coming down, and she agreed to represent me. Her husband ha- happened to be my acting coach at the time. And so uh, so I came down, and, you know, you start auditioning. And, you know, in those times, too, you know, same thing as I did with audiobooks, you know, is – when I first started acting, it's like, okay, what do I need to do to get work? And back then, it's it's illegal now, but back then they used to have all these showcases, quote-unquote showcases, mm-hmm. where you would basically pay to be able to meet casting directors, agents, etc. And uh, it happened to work for me. I, I got several jobs off of those. And so I never, you know, I didn't lose a dime paying for those things. Wow. But, uh but my first one was uh, through uh, Christy Dooley. She was casting director for Bold and the Beautiful. And uh, 
I went in, you know, that day, and it was just, you know, from the beginning, just, a, you know, an amazing experience. First, you're walking onto a set, which is cool, a studio lot. And this was uh, CBS over on Fairfax. Oh, yeah, okay, the big CBS and, complex, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Studio and City. And so then... Yeah. Hmm? Studio City, yeah? No, that's CBS uh, Radford. So oh. this is the CBS on Fairfax on the other side. Okay. The Tele- television City. Yeah, okay, Television, television City. City. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And so then... Uh, I go in and we're doing a, a you know I get called I, first I get into my dressing room and it's nice and big I'm like oh this is cool and then uh, and then they call me you know I have to get in wardrobe and then they call me down for a rehearsal and that's where I first meet you know the cast and this woman her name was Darlene I can't remember her last name she was like the matriarch of the family and I was playing her like assistant on uh, for that day I had one line yes ma'am. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> she, uh, but she, you know, they must get used to, you know, young, kind of young bucks walking on set and wanting to own the set or something because she was like going to shut me down from the beginning. And I just let her be how she was. And then soon, pretty soon, she realized I wasn't going to be like that. And uh, by the end, she was pinching my cheek and, you know, and just, you know, praising me and all that stuff. And everyone was wonderful. Bobby Eakes, I remember she was so lovely to me. Um, It was just a great experience. The guys were showing me their dressing rooms and stuff. And, you know, it was was once I made I made a point of letting people know this is my very first job. Once they heard that, I was like everyone's favorite. Really? And uh, and it was. Yeah. And it was a great experience. There wasn't that. There wasn't that uh, that thing where they were they were afraid that that you were coming in to take their jobs or anything like that. No, no, because yeah. I'm saying yes, ma'am. So it's not like I'm, you know got some <laughs> big thing that's gonna you know undermine them or steal the steal the scene from them or anything. How, how do you practice? Just, you know, yeah, how do you practice or rehearse that that line for an audition? Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, it's like uh, <laughs> what Reservoir Dog standing in front of a mirror. Yeah, but no, no I, uh, I, I, even then, I think I was pretty natural. <laughs> I just said, yes, ma'am. But what I didn't do is I had camera sense. So, like, when I saw it air on TV, I was like, man, I should have looked closer to the lens as opposed to uh, looking away. We're talking to but. Tim Lunabus, who is uh, a working class actor in Hollywood on television and film, about what it's like to do that uh, on a daily basis here at Hometown Radio. We're going to take a news break and be back in a few on 9.20 a.m. and 96.5 FM KBEC. Jim Siebert, Dave's on vacation. We've got guest hosts all week, and uh, it is my pleasure right now to uh, welcome back to the program Tim Linnibus, who is a working class actor in Hollywood. And by working class, I mean um, he is. Uh, this is this is Tim's full time job. Is uh, is because being an actor on television and screen, he also does audiobooks. and um, which, by the way, let me just let me just publicly congratulate. Uh, 
congratulate you, Tim, on the nomination that uh, was just announced yesterday. You've been nominated for an Audi Award, which uh, in the audiobook world is like a Grammy. It's um, it's big stuff. So congratulations. Hats off to you, sir. Surprise. And, you know, for uh, for one year of... of of doing, you know, getting that from a book in my first year as as a narrator is pretty cool. I I think it, I, it's it's cool. It's cool whenever. It's even if you've been doing it for twenty or thirty years, it's cool. I think <laughs> what you what you bring to the to the uh, audiobook studio, of course, years and years and years of uh, of rehearsal and practice and and working in the craft. So, um, just one year and you know one year doing books, but you know many 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 years as an actor. Um, so I want I want to go back to that um, to that first gig that um, the the bold and the beautiful where you had the one line the yes ma'am. All right. So <laughs> and what I want to do from that is I want to I want to expand that out so that we can get an idea. Of of what life is like, what a week or a day is like as a, as a working actor uh, there in in Southern California. So that yes, ma'am, didn't you didn't just walk on, say the words yes, ma'am, walk off the set. What what all was involved in in just that first time? Uh, take me through meeting with agents, looking at script, um, makeup wardrobe all of that take me through all that on the yeah. very first time well the very first time i mean it is pretty basic on a soap you go in you know you you they call you beforehand and get your sizes and all that stuff and then you go in early to uh to fit in the wardrobe make sure everything everything fits you know and and usually on shows and stuff that's a day or two before and then uh and then you go in, and the uh, clothes is waiting for you in your dressing room. Uh, they'll come in, and then they'll ask you to put it on, you know, and then head to wardrobe and uh, makeup. Make, not wardrobe, makeup and hair. And then uh, they take care of you and get you how they want you to look. And, uh, and then you either go back to your dressing room, or they're saying they're ready for you on set for a rehearsal. And, uh, uh, and then you do that. You, uh, you kind of just go through. Everyone's got script in hand and stuff. And you just kind of work through the motions. They're trying to make sure the camera guys know where they're going to be making their moves, et cetera. And, uh, and just map it all out. And then usually we go back to our dressing rooms or craft services or what have you. Uh, little time to kill while they're setting it all up. And then they'll call you back when they're ready for you. Um, and and usually when you're called in, it's one thing when you're uh, like one of the regulars and if you're the lead and you're in most of the scenes, you're always on set. For a guest actor, you know, they call you in fairly early compared to when you're actually working. So there might be several scenes before your scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that case, you have time to kill. And so you, every actor knows who works, bring a book, bring a computer, you know, fill the space, fill the time. Yeah. I'm not one to just sit on a sofa and watch TV. So. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's, uh, that's one line, actually two words. Yes, ma'am. Uh, on a soap. Tell me about the, tell me about the process, uh, for instance, um, you know, with uh, with Boston Legal or NCIS or one of those where you were 
you know, you were a significant uh, part of of one episode, uh, West Wing. I know you you, you did, a, uh, I think, three or four episodes on West three Wing. Three episodes of that, what's, yeah. What's the difference? Um, how does how does that work? How, do you get, well, do you audition one for is something very like different, that? Just moving from soaps to network television or episodics is very different. Okay. Because now you have a little more time with everything. And so uh, uh, usually, like, for television um, or a streaming show, um, you will get uh, the week before um, a call from your agent and uh, letting you know about an audition. You know, also you get texts and stuff like that these days. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you uh, check out the material and stuff, and you say whether you want to audition for it or not. And then, uh, and nowadays, you know, we have self tape. It used to be you always went into offices. Nowadays, uh, usually it's self tape. So you have, and a, then you a, a send little, it in. You have a little place mm-hmm. in your home. You have a little place in your house with the lighting and all of that, so you can do that. Yeah, th- thankfully my daughter moved out, and I use her room now. <laughs> thankfully, my daughter moved out. Okay, well, see you later, dear. Hey, w- when did you say you were you were getting that apartment? No. Um, so no, before that we were using. Uh, we have a bonus room, mm-hmm. and so we would make sure there's one wall where you take the picture off, you know, and you right. move the furniture around, and and that would be the back. But that back uh, was also shares the wall with my wife's office, who, once COVID started, was working from home. And so now you can hear her. Uh, she's on the phone all the time uh-huh. or in a Zoom meeting or something. Okay. So once Healy moved, then uh, that, that cleared that issue up. Okay, so you, send, so, in, you send in your self-tape or you go down, you get your audition, you get the part, then what? Yeah. Then you study that frickin' script and uh, know your lines. Uh, I'm one, you know, there's there's two different schools of thought, but my school of thought is you know those lines in and out, and then that frees me up to play. Um, and so then I go, that's, you know, I usually have a few days with it. So what's, Tim, let me, let we have to report to work. Let me break you for just a second. What's the other school of thought? If, if you don't, your school of thought is the other you, school of thought is 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 knowing the general uh, <laughs> general scenes. Okay, and then uh, that morning, going over your lines right before you go on, ah. and so hopefully you're fresher. Okay, you know. All right. Either and way. And for me, you know, and for me, it's like, and maybe this is coming from the theater world. Uh, I get those lines down. The more I have those lines down, the more I'm freed up mm-hmm. to then okay. be in the moment and play. All right. So you know, so you, you get on set, and is it for that one? Let's take a let's take a one episode guest appearance. Um, you're only going to be there for a, for one episode. Is that a week? Yeah, and then that even even that is depends. If they can get you in a day, get all your scenes in a day, they may try to get you for a one-day guest star. Um, and newer shows tend to do that as much as possible. Some of the older shows like uh, NCIS, um, Criminal Minds 2 maybe a little bit was like this, but uh, or, or uh, Hawaii Five-0 was like this, where they will, they're more apt to hire you for a week. Uh-huh. And then what happens is that uh, so let's take two scenarios. One is that you're working in L.A., 
your local hire. So, you know, you wake up and you, you know, usually waking up at four in the morning or something like that. And then you uh, get ready and head out and don't get dressed up or anything. Wear sweatpants or jeans and a T-shirt because you're going to be getting out of that right mm-hmm. away. And uh, and you don't want to get makeup on anything. You don't want anything nice that you're going to get makeup on. <laughs> so, okay. Um, and besides, then you head, at, you go at hmm? four in the morning. Who wants to get dressed anyway? I just pull on a pair of <laughs> right. pull on a pair of sweatpants. And normally taking a shower the night before. Okay. You know, and then and then you go in and and I like to get there early enough to be able to have breakfast and uh, all the crew and stuff is eaten, and then uh, then you go into getting ready getting dressed going into again makeup and hair and uh and then and then it's the same process rehearsal and then waiting for your scenes to start shooting and once you start shooting um though you know i'd say with hawaii 50 that was very different from any other experience i had and i was given a heads up so i was ready but that director that directed my episode we need to take a break. I want yeah. you to tell me okay. about that Hawaii Five-0 uh, experience okay. in just a second. We're taking a break. You're listening to Hometown Radio on KVEC 920 AM and 96.5 FM. Hometown Radio, the Dave Congleton program. I'm Jim Siebert. My guest is Tim Lunabus. And Tim, uh, do you recognize this music? Oh my God. <laughs> I do. <laughs> That's the theme song from uh, The Bold and the Beautiful. There, that takes you back. Okay, so you were that saying that me, that took me a bit to, to take that in, but yeah, you're saying that uh, Hawaii Five O was is a little different. I would suspect one thing is just because it's it's shot in Hawaii. Well, yeah, that was beautiful, and uh, it was great to be around there, and I had a lot of fun away from the set, just going around and checking the island out. But uh, uh, they had a, uh, you know, in, in television, the directors are like the guest actors. There's a lot of guest directors, and so they're going from show to show. But uh, this one guy, Eagle Eagleston, uh, he did a lot of the shows in Hawaii, and uh, we did rehearsal. And, you know, I'm expecting to go back to my trailer. And he's like, well, I think we can do that now. You guys ready? <laughs> and, and it was with uh, she McBride and, and uh, oh, my God, Ian Anthony. Yeah. They, yeah, I can't, I can't remember his name for some reason right now. But uh, the three of us. And it's like, okay. And then I'm like, oh, my God, because my scene is like was intense. And I was like, am I ready for this? But uh, But I... I, I pulled it through. You have to kind of figure out if the director thinks you're ready, you're ready. Uh, Tim, my uh, my producer, Jim Richards, has a question. Yeah, I have a question for you. So, yeah. like, if you're on the set in Hawaii for Hawaii Five O, <laughs> you were talking about that, yeah. you know, trying to condense it down into a one day shoot as opposed to like a week long shoot. Um, is it be- partly because you know you're actually there and they've they've booked you there and you're going to be oh, they- hanging out on the set anyway? So. I mean, would it, Hawaii, would it, uh, I mean, it's it's yeah, I mean, because they're also already paying. They're paying for travel days too, mm-hmm. and uh, and a place to stay. You know, that's a good question. Uh, 
I, in fact, that Hawaii Five O for me was a. I went in for, a, traveled in, and then did paperwork, and the next day shot, and then the next day was out of there. So that one was actually they just flew me in and then flew me out. Yeah, and I get it. But uh, but if you have two or three days, then it pretty much becomes you know and that becomes like if your scenes are all in the same building. Let's say you have three scenes then it's very likely you could get this done in a day. But if you have a scene in three scenes in three different locations or even two different locations, well, now we're talking about moves, and now we're talking about the very real possibility that he needs to be here a week because so, we're shooting lighting, this day crew. in this area, yeah. that location's in three days, you know. And I get it about what you were saying earlier, too, about the whole be ready to just hang out because <laughs> because yeah. I, I i've been in uh i've done some extra work up here in san luis obispo a little bit and they'll they'll call you and say we need you there six o'clock in the morning however they don't get around to shooting your scene until four yeah. thir- four four thirty in the afternoon so you're hanging on set yeah. you're at craft services bring a book <laughs> or so, something yeah yeah, yeah. Well, same exactly thing with, same thing exactly. with theater i mean you know you're just uh during rehearsals in theater there you know there are there are days when you um you're not on, you're not in scene you're you know you're not part of that so you just you just wait and right. wait and wait um other than and then the other thing really quickly as a yeah. young actor the fir- one of the first things you learn is do not get crazy when you see craft services craft service table because your eyes go big and like oh my goodness look at all this food <laughs> and then you know like uh after the week of working on their show you're like five pounds heavier <laughs> yeah that would I guess that might be my problem. Um, in addition to the, in addition to being on set, what else is there? There's you're auditioning, you're meeting with agents, you're going to acting classes. Give give us an idea of what of what goes yeah, on I, when you're not in front of a camera. I mean, let me just I can just tell you my experience because I don't do acting classes anymore. You know, when I was younger, I did, but now I've been you know getting involved with audiobook narration once COVID hit and I had to think of a plan B when production shot down, right. I started thinking of voiceover stuff and created a studio here. So for me, uh, a lot of my time these days when I'm not, you know, I might have a couple of commercial auditions, a couple of uh, guest star auditions. I have a film I'm uh, preparing for that I'm going to be shooting later this year. And so, and that's the difference between film and TV. One of the differences is that you have a lot more time with your material. And so, uh, so that's already percolating in my head of, of what I want to do with that character. But, uh, uh, but, but yeah, I've gotten involved in the Saudi book narration stuff. And so that takes up a lot of my time, to be honest. I'll wake up in the morning. I usually wake up around six o'clock. I, uh, start, I take care of stuff in the kitchen, you know, get things cleaned up, feed the dog, get my son breakfast and take him to school. And now it's eight o'clock. And I'm usually, I'm prepping a book that I'm going to be uh, narrating, or I'm recording, or I'm sending out reach-outs, emails to uh, people. Because the difference between on-camera and narration, audiobook world, is that on-camera, your agent's taking care of all that. Yep. You know, you, you're just waiting for the call. You know, you might go to networking events or, you know, go to screenings and stuff like that. But with the audiobook world, because there's so much more content than there are narrators, uh, you know, they, they're, they're, they're open to you contacting them straight, direct. Right. And, uh, and so I do that a lot. And I've also been honing my skills by, by taking classes in that area. Uh, and, you know, and meanwhile, you know, then you try to, 
balance the two uh, on camera career with uh, audiobook narration, which is sort of your nuts and bolts. That's become sort of a nuts and bolts income for me. That's what used to be your side job or your your existence job is is now becoming more and more of your full time job. Is that right? Uh, I would say I, I don't. I wouldn't say it's my full time job, but it's definitely uh, a substantial mm-hmm. part of my job and probably half of my income. Tell me about your kids. I, I know the answer to this. I know the answer to this because you know we're we're connected on Facebook. But um, so my you know my original question was, uh, would you encourage or discourage your kids from getting into the business? I know your daughter is uh, is moving in that direction to getting into the business. What it's you, a crazy story because uh, she was uh, semester going into her final semester of high school. You know, she had acted, she had asked me once when she was like four years old if she could audition. And so at that time, I let her do some commercial auditions, and she landed, she had like four out of six auditions. She had four callbacks, and two of them she got hired. Uh, One of them, we said she couldn't work because she had a friend's birthday party. But, uh, um, and then I always told her, you can do this as long as you're having fun. Once you stop having fun, then we stop, okay? And she agreed to that. And then there was this one audition that was a ton of pressure, and so I let I gave her the choice, and she decided to stop. Now, fast forward, and she's in high school. She's never gotten involved in a play, never taken classes, nothing. What she has been doing is she was involved with the production team at her high school on the, you know, creating their, 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 their school television shows and uh, creating segments and editing producing you know so we're seeing her on the other side of the camera and Mm -hmm. thinking that's where she's going well then fast forward and we're we're now waiting for my son to get out of martial arts class and she goes dad she goes how would you feel if i wanted to be an actor (laughs) it floored me i was like what and then she's like what and i go and i didn't say what it was in my head but she she saw how i reacted she's like what and i go well i just got to process this and so then we started talking about it, and I laid it out for her that if this is what you're going to do, you're going to have a life of never feeling stable. No matter how <laughs> successful you are at times, you always know the rug can be pulled out. Yep. And, and, uh, and so I said, so if, if you get involved with this, then what sustains you is your love and passion for the, for the art, because you'll never have security. If you can think of and, any, uh, anything else you'd rather do. Yeah. Do it. And, and I told yeah. her, and I said, that's what they used to say, is that if you can do anything else, do it. And uh, I could do a lot. But, but I told her I could do a lot of other things when I chose this, because it was the love and the passion that I found for it. Yeah. And, uh, and so, I, so I said, okay, shoot. And I said, we're going to have to talk to your mom about this. It's going to take her for, you know, throw her. And she's like, why? And I go, because, honey, we never just expected this. And so, and I said, but she was, my wife had gone back to grad school at that point. And so I said, she has homework. You go upstairs and wait for me to call you down. I called her down, and then she, uh, we told Jenny, and Jenny was like, what? And so then, but then she goes, I guess we have to get you an agent. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wow. Let, let's, uh, you know, usually she and I talk before we have big discussions before <laughs> with the kids. This one was a mistake where I didn't give her a heads up but because wow. she had homework. And so I said, first, we need to find out, I think, if she likes to act. So why don't we find her a class and go from there? Well, fast forward, 
and she had uh, she went through that class. Teacher said she was ready to audition at some point. She was getting ready to go off to college, but she had a vacation that we gave her for her high school present, graduation present, to go be with her exchange sister's family in France. And while she was there, uh, we put up her stuff. My manager agreed to send her out on stuff because I said, do you want to just go out on a couple of auditions before college? And she said, yeah. Well, first audition, it's for the title character in the film, and she's like heavy in the mix. And they're asking about, you know, what's her schedule? Does she have any conflicts? Is she available from this month to this month? We're like, what the heck is going on here? Wow. And then second audition, same thing. And then that's when we realized, I guess she's got a career in acting. Yeah. She wants it. And she did want it. That's awesome. Pulled out of college. <laughs> That's awesome. But it'll always be there. Yeah. And she's going to get her, she's, she's about to graduate from college down here. So, so it worked yeah. out. That's incredible. Thanks for sharing that story. That's, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. And my son's going to be an engineer or scientist. <laughs> <laughs> anything, anything but acting. Yeah. Any, anything but acting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It will be a black belt. My, um, my guest is is Tim Lunibus and and Tim we are my engineer just held up a sign that says we are out of time there's so many more things I wanted to uh, wanted to chat with you about but uh, again um thanks for joining us and again uh major congratulations uh on the uh, on the audio nomination for the uh for the audiobook um I look forward to uh being able to just sit down and chat with you over the next uh I think we're going to get together sometime in March down in L.A. for some uh, audiobook stuff. So uh, uh, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, to spend with us today and, and give us a little bit of an idea of what, uh, what I call a working-class actor, uh, what what their life is like. So uh, thanks again I to had fun. Uh, Tim Linovis, and uh, we will see you around. Uh, we're on KVEC, News Talk 920 and FM 96.5, and uh, stay tuned. Our next guest, coming up in just a few minutes, will take us on some incredible vacation trips around the world. Don't miss that here on KVEC. The 920 KVEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.